0: Welcome to Emotion Well, EFR's podcast about all things related to emotional wellness. I'm Johanna Dunlevy, the Wellness Manager for Employee and Family Resources, also known as EFR, and I'm the host of our podcast. As an FYI, EFR is located in Des Moines, Iowa, and we are Iowa's first employee assistance program and provide a variety of services you can learn more about at www.efr.org. I am here with Courtney Burrow and Haley Wilkening from Revive Physical Therapy and Wellness. Welcome to Emotion Well, Courtney and Haley.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks for having us. Very exciting to have you both on the show today. And go ahead and give a brief introduction of yourselves to our listeners. Courtney, do you want to go first?
1: Yeah, Um, like she said, my name is Courtney Burrow. I grew up in Cedar Falls, um, Iowa, and I moved down to Des Moines for PT school. I finished my undergrad degree at UNI in Cedar Falls and then came to Des Moines. Um, I went to Des Moines University and graduated from there in 2018 with my doctorate of physical therapy. Um, And then over the last uh, few years, I've gotten extra credentialing in level one and level two pelvic floor certifications, um, just giving us more of that education, but also giving us the credentialing to be able to do um, internal exams. Um, But I got really passionate about physical therapy and really just in general uh, pelvic floor and women's health therapy um, as I became a mom as well i after p t school i had i have two kids four and two um and that just kind of drove my passion to make sure I was recovering well, returning to sport and running um I was really wanted to do that do that well without peeing my pants or having pain pain during all of that, and so that just kind of really inspired me to kind of get into that a little bit more and help other moms help other women whether they've had babies or not uh, really be able to work out at full capacity and just live healthy healthy lives so that's really where my passion comes from from that Um, we live here in Des Moines still and um, yeah if we're not in the office I'm probably playing a round of golf or raining around chasing my kids somewhere outside with in the pool or whatever it is so all right thank you and Haley what about you
2: Yeah, so I grew up um, in the Marshalltown area, went to uh, college at UNI for my undergraduate degree, and then I went to Creighton University in Omaha for uh, OT school. So I'm an occupational therapist uh, and got my doctorate there, uh, graduated in 2017. I came back to the metro and was actually working um, in a hospital setting in the ICU. I was working in a neurotrauma. Um, ICU setting. And Courtney and I actually met through our kids at daycare. Uh, so our uh, kids met through that and we met up and I actually started out um, kind of uh, introductions into the world of public floor through actually being Courtney's patient. So okay. I was having um, issues with peeing my pants and um, painful sex and I was talking with Courtney about it and she was really passionate about, you don't have to, you don't have to live this way. This isn't something you need to just kind of deal with, which is something I had been told from, you know, kind of my my OB and different physicians of, well, you have kids, I have two kids, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And it's just kind of life after postpartum. And so that was kind of discouraging. But then I met Courtney and she was like, no, wrong. I'm going to debunk this. So I started working with her. And as we started working together, she um, kind of... Drew me into the the world of pelvic floor, and uh, we talked for I don't know, probably six to eight months about uh, joining. And so, uh, last year, 2022, I came in with Courtney, and now work for her at Revive. And it has been very eye opening. I think starting out as the patient and moving into a clinician because I can relate in the piece that I was really given a lot of negative feedback about my pelvic floor and what was going on and really just like this live with it approach. And all of the symptoms that I came to see Courtney for are now gone. (laughs) So uh, I think that's what I'm really passionate about is um, the education and really educating individuals, both men and women, uh, because we all have pelvic floors, just an FYI that uh, we don't have to just kind of live with some of these symptoms. And a lot of it is just understanding uh, who you can see and what providers uh, can kind of help and support with these different symptoms and signs. So again, much like Courtney, I'm certified in both male and female pelvic floor, took the same certifications that she has. So uh, we very much align in kind of how we treat and how we do our examinations. And we are always collaborating. Uh, We love that we have two different kind of similar mindsets, but different in the fact that she's a physical therapist and I'm an occupational therapist. And we really embrace that (laughs) and and love to work through that and use our different lenses for the greater good.
0: Excellent. Well, I have something in common with you both other than the fact that I have a pelvic floor too, right? We all have pelvic floors. So (laughs) everyone listening has a pelvic floor, which is uh why this topic is relevant to anyone and everyone. Um, as Courtney said, whether you've had kids or not, we all have pelvic floors and we can experience discomfort and um, you know, issues with our pelvic floors that affect our emotional and, and mental well being. But the other thing we have in common is that I also went to UNI. So I'm a Panther alum as well. Oh so UNI. Yes. Um, so before we talk about the pelvic floor, because that is the topic today, can one of you just briefly uh, help me understand and help our listeners understand what is the difference between a physical therapist and an occupational therapist?
1: Yeah, we get that question all the time. Um, and really there's not a whole lot. Um, we both have doctorate degrees. Um, their schooling is a little bit different. I'll let her touch on OT a little bit, but um, it the, the degrees are different because we go to different kind of schooling, but the philosophies behind PT and OT are just what make us different. But we still get all the same training. We have anatomy. We have physiology. We go through the entire human body. We go through neuro. We go through all of that. Um, And then we have the same certifications in public floor. And PTs and OTs take the same certifications. Um, So really, there is not a big difference at all. But I'll let Haley touch on OT and why the philosophy is just a little bit different.
2: Thanks. Yeah. So I think um, coming from the OT lens, I always use kind of the the statement that PT and OT are like brothers and sisters. We share a lot of the same makeup, like Courtney said, but we just kind of have a a slightly different lens in in kind of how we view things. So something that PT and OT, we both really want to provide that holistic care, whole body. That's something we're both very passionate and have been taught. I would say um, for myself and I went to Creighton, I uh, would say that a lot of my education, we did a lot of collaboration with the PTs um, in the programs there and the OTs, but we have a lot of focus on um, kind of the, the cognitive and the psychosocial piece, Okay, not that Courtney doesn't as well. I just want that to be a disclaimer, but I would say that's something that uh, we focus a lot on focused a lot on in ot school is uh that psychosocial emotional piece um where courtney and i always talk a lot of what we do in our backgrounds too have come through with what we have experienced as clinicians so i have a really strong neurological background working in a in an icu um in mercy courtney has a really strong orthopedic background And um, we both can be in those realms, um, but it's kind of where our lenses have focused. And we really try to, uh, when we have our patients coming in, focus on, you know, there are certain things that maybe Courtney's more comfortable with and knows more about than myself. And we try to really play off of that, I would say. But really outside of just a, a few different more focus areas in our programs, we really have A ton of similarities. So that's something that we're really big on because we get asked this question constantly.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And I think it sounds like you, you know, your professions and areas of expertise really complement one another, especially in the business that you're working together in. So let's talk about the pelvic floor. What is a pelvic floor? So let's just start from the very basics because honestly, I think that's the information people need. I think they need the very elementary basic level introduction to the pelvic floor.
1: Yeah. um, So the pelvic floor, basically, it's uh, their muscles, just like any other muscle in the body, but we always kind of describe it as a hammock. So if you think of like where your pelvis is, for women, you're thinking about the vaginal opening and the anal opening. For men, you're thinking more about the just the anal opening. Um, And those muscles that run from the tailbone to the pubic bone in front, um, and then they kind of fan out a little bit towards the sides of the pelvis. But if you just really think about that hammock, um that's where the pelvic floor is that's what they're doing they're supporting the pelvic organs um so your uterus your bladder your rectum all of that's in there for women obviously men don't have the uterus but they have the bladder the prostate the rectum everything is in there in that cavity and so the pelvic floor is kind of just what's holding everything up but also giving us stability throughout the pelvis and tying together with the trunk um and the core to give us more stability through the pelvis so that our legs can move so that our arms can move all of that kind of thing but truly if you just think about a hammock along the lines of pubic bone to tailbone and then everything in between
0: okay yeah that's that's helpful just to have that visual uh what you know when you think about muscles a lot of people think about oh doing exercises for muscles i'm going to do squats i'm going to do bicep curls Uh, Well, these are muscles as well. So let's talk a little bit about strengthening those muscles or maybe, maybe that's too soon in the conversation, but I'm just thinking a lot of people might have just heard you describe the pelvic floor and they're jumping straight to, oh my gosh, well, how do I work it out? Like, how do I, you know, get it in, in better shape? Right. So tell us a little bit about, um, what kind of the natural state of the pelvic floor is and maybe give us an example of for a man, for a woman who's had kids, for a woman who hasn't had kids,
2: is it different? Is it very similar? I would say that everybody is different. Okay. <laughs> it is, it is super hard to say or to kind of like categorize a man, a woman, a postpartum mom, every, we have seen everything.
0: Okay. Um,
2: And so something that Courtney and I have taken very specific training on is being able to do internal vaginal and internal anal exams. So when Courtney talked about the pelvic floor being that hammock, right? In order to get to that hammock that is holding um, all of our pelvic organs up, you the best way to get to it is through the vaginal opening or the anal opening so obviously for men anal opening is our only route for women we can do either or generally speaking we would do the the vaginal opening first um and we can talk more about what would maybe warrant more of an anal exam versus a vaginal exam but uh being able to feel that musculature much like a bicep or your quad. Being able to go in, we use one finger um, and we literally feel the pelvic floor, literally go through and feel the anatomy. Um, If there's weakness, if there's tension, if there's both, I always say it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can have areas of the pelvic floor that are really tense and really tight and other areas that are weak or not working as well. Um, And when you think of a hammock, you want the hammock to have even um, distribution, even help, even support. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times when Courtney and I do internal exams, we find that people are very much um, having the lack of that symmetry of everybody working together in the public floor. And so that's where we see a lot of our symptoms and different things coming through. So to say that generally we see like a postpartum mom having one or the other, to be honest with you, Every everybody has something different. Everybody has something unique going on. And for us, we find that really important to do the internal exam because that can give us very specific details to you and your specific pelvic floor to be able to guide our treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where we're, we're passionate about that. Not every pelvic floor therapist will do internal exams, but we um, here at Revive feel very passionate about that because everyone's unique.
0: Yeah. And when it sounds like my background is in health and wellness. And so I've done group fitness, personal training. I've worked with a lot of people one-on-one to develop exercise routines and everyone is different that comes in, right? Like some people can build muscle more easily. Some people are just, they're neglecting their upper half, but they're working on their lower half or vice versa. And so it sounds like any other muscle in the body that everyone's going to come in and it's going to be a a different scenario um, for each individual. And maybe the the course of therapy or, you know, what you're encouraging them to do to strengthen or make it more balanced is going to be different. So, uh, that's, that's helpful. So let's talk about the pelvic floor and why it's important to overall health. And then we'll kind of segue into the mental and emotional aspect of it, but just in general, overall health, uh, what, you know, what would you say to people listening as far as why is this an important part of your body to really focus on and make sure is in a healthy state?
1: Yeah, I I do want to touch on the strength piece real quick if you don't mind. Um, Oh, that's fine. Probably a lot of ninety five percent of the people that are listening to this or think about the pelvic floor, they think about Kegels, and that's the only way to strengthen them. And actually, there's a lot of research out there trying to debunk Kegels because, kind of like Haley said, like not everybody is weak. It can be tight, and so then if we keep doing Kegels and Kegels and Kegels, it's just like a hamstring muscle if you have a tight hamstring and you just keep working and working and working and working the hamstring, you're not, get, it's going to just become more tight. It's not necessarily going to get strong. Mm. Um, and so I think that's really important to understand, but also the pelvic floor is actually, and so Kegeling is a voluntary contraction. And by that, you, I mean, like you are causing the contraction to happen. Right. When really the pelvic floor should be an involuntary muscle contraction. And by that, I mean the brain should just automatically pick it up and turn it on when it's anticipating movement. And if people don't have that down right away, then we do need to do some of that voluntary contraction, but not just Kegeling. And more times than not, when people think they're Kegeling, they're engaging, they're like clenching their butt, they're bearing down, they're holding their breath, like, So it's really just understanding how to contract and relax the pelvic floor, but then when to do it, if that makes sense, rather than just like, you're not pumping out 25 bicep curls, you know, you're (laughs) really, yeah, you're really, you're, it's really, um, really focused work, I would say. Um, But um, I just wanted to add that in there. But going into like, why is the pelvic floor health um, just good for overall general health? Um, I think there's a couple different reasons for this. One, a lot of, at least a lot of what we see, there's, there's the incontinence, there's the pants peeing, um, there's pelvic pain, but also pelvic floor is very tightly related to the low back and the hips. Okay. Um, and so a lot of times people can have this nagging back pain. They've been doing therapy. It's not getting better. Nobody's struck their pelvic floor. And then we do an internal exam and it's like, holy crap, that's my back pain. Or that's my hip pain. And so I think the biggest things for that is women, especially, they don't want to go out in public. They don't want to go work out if they're peeing their pants. They don't want to go... Um, <laughs> they don't want to go on trips because they don't know where the next bathroom is going to be. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's so much bigger than just paying their pants. It's so much bigger than pelvic floor health. It's their emotional, it's their mental well being that, yeah, I feel free to go and go with my girlfriends on this road trip. And that's super fun and really cup filling, um, like personally, rather than like, oh, I can't go because my pelvic floor, right. you know? And so, right. Or I'm paying my pants. Or a lot of what we see too is painful sex. And that is a whole level of intimacy, emotional well-being, mental well-being. And if they're having painful sex, they're not having sex or they're not enjoying it. So therefore, it's very much a mental game for them at that point. And they and I think we can get into this a little bit later, too. They're not having those conversations with other people. And so their community is not there. So now they're feeling isolated because no one else is sharing that they're having Mm -hmm. these problems when they're so common. Um, And so I just think there's a whole nother level of just, it's not just physical, it is their emotional, mental well-being to be able to go and do those things and then work out too, and not feel afraid. Like you go to the gym and you see 90% of the women in black leggings because like, well, I'm peeing my pants. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I feel like you made a good point you made a good
0: point about you know as people we tend not to share you know these types of details about our lives because we might feel shame or embarrassment or there's a stigma associated with it but anytime I've ever talked to a girlfriend about um you know oh I sneezed and I peed my pants a little bit you know it it It's almost like, you know, we're joking about it, but it's very serious. Right. It's it really happened. Um, But it is always brought up in a way like, well, I'm taking the kids to the bounce house. Hope I don't pee my pants. And, you know, um, it's just kind of dismissed. Like I think Haley said as well, this is just what happens after you have kids. Like you're just going to start peeing your pants when you go to the bounce house or if you you know, can't find a restroom in time or when you sneeze, I feel like sneezing is a, another one that comes up a lot. Like people just, or women especially will say like, oh, I peed my pants or I leaked a little bit when I sneezed, but then the, uh, painful sex, I feel like, you know, that is not something that is talked about as often, um, because it might feel awkward or again, there could be that, you know, I'm the only one that's experiencing this. And I also feel like a lot of times women won't even share that with their partners, um, mm-hmm. that they're not enjoying it or that it's painful. And so that, you know, they're pretending and then that creates a disconnect or, you know, they're not wanting to have sex and that creates a disconnect. So I, I can definitely see how all of this relates back to mental and emotional health, um, yeah. along the lines of sex and, and sexual activity. What do you know yeah. about people who have experienced sexual trauma? And as that, as that relates to their pelvic floor, um, I'm just thinking you know, there are certainly going to be listeners that maybe have had sexual trauma in their lives and they might want to consider treatment for their pelvic floor, but that could be, um, triggering. Um, but what are some of the reasons why someone with sexual trauma would benefit from pelvic floor therapy and what are some things that they might want to consider before visiting, um, a therapist for this?
2: Yeah. Um, so Courtney and I, obviously we have seen, uh, many individuals come into us with um, sexual assault, another one kind of talking about kind of that sex shaming or that that fear of discussing um, pain or difficulty with orgasms because it's very shameful. Uh, I would say this, that there is a lot that can be done physically for you, but also understanding that Courtney and I are going to be addressing the emotional and cognitive piece of this. They are directly correlated and go hand in hand. So I think the first thing Courtney and I always encourage and obviously are very verbal and vocal with our patients who are coming in, who are being very vulnerable and open that they've experienced something such as sexual assault is that this is a space that we need to be able to talk and communicate about these things. And what you talk about with us does not leave this room. This is completely confidential and will remain with us. If there's something very, very intimate about your partner or about yourself, we want to talk about those things with you. And we are very open and honest. Um, One of the things I saw Courtney originally for was painful sex. Mm -hmm. Um, And we understand that that brings a lot of emotion. Yeah. And that brings a lot of, we've had people crying in here and tears, um, tears of pain and tears of joy of um, really connecting and understanding that piece. Now, we are not obviously mental health counselors, and we understand that realm. Um, we have our scope of practice, and we have to stay in that area, but we want to talk about these things and and try to create this open relationship. So establishing rapport is huge. That's really where we start. Um, and understanding that what is happening emotionally can manifest, manifest in you physically. Right. So stress response and anxiety, depression, all of those things really can be um, physically felt within the pelvic floor. Um, Something Courtney and I often see is what's called disassociation. Uh, So it's definitely this um, trauma response or this uh, coping mechanism where individuals will essentially, who have had trauma or feel shame, will essentially kind of turn off their feeling and their sensation and um, really their awareness of their pelvic floor. Uh, to try to suppress kind of what's happening. Um that is something that we talk a lot about is we have to create that mind- body connection again of your pelvic floor is here and it's meant for these things. And how do we get you to understand and feel differently about the pelvic floor um, from a cognitive state? It really is huge. Um, And then there's obviously the physical piece. We do perform internal exams on individuals that have had sexual assault or, or, you know, kind of talking about painful sex or um, anything like that. But I think the biggest thing that Courtney and I are very vocal and very verbal about is that the control is with them. They dictate what we do when we do it. We're huge on education. I think understanding what the pelvic floor and how that relates Is huge and giving them to the power to be able to say what they feel comfortable with, what we can kind of do, and how we progress with them. Um, And things I would say um, for individuals to kind of be looking for when they are thinking about coming to a pelvic floor therapist. I mean, those all those markers that uh, and those symptoms that Courtney talked about: painful sex, low back, hip pain jaw clenchers. I'm gonna let Courtney talk about the vagus nerve because she's really into it. but <laughs> um physically holding all of that stress and that anxiety, we have seen a direct correlation correlation in the research talks about this that the pelvic floor holds a lot of that emotional trauma. And so helping individuals um, be able to understand that and be able to use their pelvic floor, how it should be used and not kind of working against you is really big. So
1: I think I I'm just going to tail off of that. I think the other thing too, is to like not downplaying sexual trauma at all or sex shame or anything like that, but just understanding trauma in general to the pelvic floor, um, especially for those that have had babies um, we birth, I think it's forgotten that it's trauma. Yeah. And it's this it's this beautiful thing and it's awesome and it's amazing and then you get this baby at the end. Um but even if everything goes as as planned or as well as you wanted it to, it's still trauma to the body. And I just think that is super important to understand. Um, but then also too, with birth, if, if it doesn't go as planned, if it doesn't go the way that you want it, or it ends in a C-section and you're like, well, the baby didn't come out my vaginal canal or through my pelvic floor. Like, why would I need that? You still had trauma. And now we have this emotional layer to it. Yeah. Um, it didn't go how I wanted it to. And so with whether it's the sexual trauma, it's the birthing trauma, whatever that is, it still can manifest in you as this emotional event. And you can really dissociate away from the pelvic floor Mm -hmm. and not really understand where it's at.
0: I think with childbirth, and I have a six-year-old daughter, I think women still don't talk about what's going to happen to your body (laughs) through pregnancy. Oh, yeah. In labor and delivery, uh, postpartum. I mean, I had like one friend who kind of, said hey fyi you know things are just going to be a little weird like you're going to start swelling and you're going to be uncomfortable yeah. it's like every woman who's had a baby should feel comfortable telling another woman who's expecting a baby like within boundaries right like if it's my my friend or my sister or my cousin i should be able to like say hey this happened to me it might happen to you because i think a lot of uh people just want to not talk about that even though it exists and it that that to me is frustrating a lot of things about postpartum health mental health physical health um i think just need to be talked about and and destigmatized okay. a bit but just that yeah birth giving birth whether it's vaginally or through a c section because remember a c section is major abdominal surgery i think that's the other thing that people forget about yes. like that is a major surgical procedure um trauma to the body trauma to the body and yes you know, it is okay to seek treatment or talk to someone about the way you're feeling, whether it is physically or emotionally. And I think Mm -hmm. going back to sexual trauma and sexual assault, I think a lot of times when someone thinks about, you know, what would a person who's experienced that seek for help? You know, they think about, oh, mental health, they might want to visit a counselor, but that is important, right? And like you Mm -hmm. said, you stay in your lane, just like the mental health therapist would have to stay in their lane, but it, it would really be most beneficial probably for it to be a both type situation. Like you have your mental health counselor and you have, you know, a physical therapist or an occupational therapist that can help you with your pelvic floor because, Um, There's a book called the body keeps the score. And that's exactly true. Like the body keeps the score, right? Like any kind of trauma you've had is held in your body. And that can be emotional trauma or physical trauma. Um, Mm -hmm. what, so, and I know that there's not going to be one straight forward answer to this. Um, but like in general, would someone go through a series of treatments? I'm sure it just depends on kind of where they start and what the goals are of, of the sessions, but You know, is someone in physical or occupational therapy for the pelvic floor, you know, indefinitely? Um, Is it something that they can kind of graduate from? Can you give them exercises or ways to engage those muscles to keep them strong without the need for ongoing
1: therapy? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will start with saying every pelvic floor therapist is different in how they approach even incontinence, painful sex, anything like that. Um, So really just speaking off of like how we run our clinic here um, is we really, one, we do a full body assessment. So we look at everything. It's not just, oh, you're having pelvic floor symptoms. So we're just doing an internal exam. We're looking at the low back. We're looking at how you squat and lunge and do functional activities throughout the day. Um, And then also doing the exam, looking at the neck and the shoulders, how you're breathing, all the things. So we take all of that into consideration. Um, And then put it together with the pelvic exam, plus their, their extensive history. Um, And then it totally comes down to their goals. And that's really what we sit down with our patients about is, okay, do you want to just take care of your acute symptoms of the pelvic floor and gain a little, um, uh, gain the skill that you need then to take care of it throughout Or do you want to take care of the pelvic floor while also advancing back into more of a high level functional activity, exercise, running, whatever that is. So those goals really dictate our longevity with them. And really also like, okay, can they even find their pelvic floor? Because it's just what it is. People come in here and they have no clue where their pelvic floor is. Um, And so they really do need a little bit more help. But we're very, like Haley said, we're very big on education here. Our goal is that we one, take care of your symptoms, but then two, give you the tools that you need to pull out of your toolbox later on so you don't need us. Um, obviously we would love to keep working with you, but we want you to know, okay, if you start to feel kind of symptomatic or if this starts taking on, you know exactly what tool to pull out. It's either range of motion, it's mobility, it's strength. You know how to breathe, you know how to take care of your pelvic floor. And we do encourage them to kind of keep doing those throughout life. Um, Just like you're working out Mm -hmm. and you're going and you're doing squats Mm -hmm. one to two times a week, we still need to keep doing our pelvic floor, just making sure that it's getting in tune, we're breathing appropriately with it. Um, And so like, everybody's different. I I think it just kind of depends on what's happening. I would say we see... Um, our patients, on average, eight to nine times, okay. um, and and that's not twice a week. That's once a week for a couple of weeks, and then we space it out so that we build the foundation, and then we start to add in more of the exercises and strength training and functional work, so that they have more time in between to really focus on the pelvic floor stuff and and build that strength before they come back to us.
0: Is it common for a gynecologist or a urologist to refer a client to a practice like yours?
1: not in our area
0: okay that's uh, what i was thinking I
1: was, yeah um unfortunately that is um our i, I should say our midwives the midwives yeah. in the area are much more i think this is stereotyping but midwives are much more holistic absolutely than OBGYNs. um and so i think they understand the i they understand what we do um and understand the importance of it um but It is not very widely like referred from OBGYNs in this. No,
0: I, I use the midwife services of unity point when I had my daughter and I still go there for my annual exam. And I do remember having a conversation about painful sex with them, with my midwife once. And I was really impressed because she, she was like, well, I'm looking through your, you know, records and. Um, I think this could be maybe emotional, like I think it could be related to your emotional health more than your physical health. So I was really impressed that she was able to kind of connect the dots between what could be going on or what the underlying source for that was. Um, But I would agree with you. I think that we have a long ways to go when it comes to traditional medicine, right? And so it should be, I always think it's uh, a group effort, right? Just like the two of you complement each other in your areas of expertise, I feel like if there could be more referrals made from, you know, someone that you're visiting for a particular issue, if, you know, that practitioner could think, Oh, in addition to what I can do to help them, I think someone else in a completely different medical field could contribute to their, you know, recovery or, um, you know, ailment in, in a, a completely different way, but a complementary way. Um, totally agree. what, Oh gosh, I had another random question I wanted to ask. Uh, So, okay. So most clients probably self-refer, I'm guessing they, they find you because, or how do you, you, how are people finding you? How, how are your services being um, promoted? I'm just curious because like you said, it's probably not going to come through a traditional um, MD.
2: Yeah. I would say something big kind of to segue on um, the referral piece is something Courtney and I are always doing constantly is, we're going out and educating other healthcare providers. We understand that not everybody understands yeah. exactly what we do in this very specific area of practice that we practice in a pelvic floor. So we're out meeting with different healthcare providers. We're trying to educate them as well as being educated on what they can do and and different um, referral sources that we can be um, sending people to if we feel they need other resources outside of our scope of practice. So that's one big thing I would say. We are constantly meeting with people and educating people within the, the realm of healthcare here in the Metro about what we do and kind of how we practice, um, but also understanding that there are other pelvic floor therapists out there in different outpatient settings. We just practice, you know, in a more of a, a private sector. So, uh, having that, that private business piece is different because we can have the time to go do those things and teach people about what we do. And we are really passionate about that. Um, so something I would say to, and remind me, what was your question again? it was about self-referral. Are you getting most of your referral? Yes. In the state of Iowa, um, PT and OT are direct access. You do not have to have a doctor's referral. So in what Courtney and I have here at Revive is that you do not have to have an OB or a midwife or even your PCP to refer in. You can literally get on the phone and call us and say, Hey, um, I'm having these symptoms and um, these different things. Uh, would you guys be able to um, help with that or not? And we're going to have that conversation 99% of the time. It's Courtney um, taking those calls, but she's going to walk through kind of a lot of those um, different signs and symptoms and ask you those questions over the phone before we would ever even meet. Yeah. Um, And if we feel that it's something that we could help you with, then absolutely. We're going to have you come in. Um, Our evaluations are always an hour uh, long And before you even walk in the door, though, we're going to have you filling out a ton of information to give us some guidance and give us an idea of what's going to happen and kind of lead um, into your evaluation with a better idea of what's going on. So uh, I would say that's really big. But honestly, what we've noticed lately is a lot of just word of mouth. Hey, I went to revive and I saw Courtney or I saw Haley or both of them. um, And these are the things they were helping me with and kind of what we were talking about uh previously of just people talking in their friend groups or about what they're going through and then other people start saying okay i have these symptoms too yeah. i'm i'm going to call them and sometimes it's a very open dialogue among friends and sometimes it's like hey um my friend was talking about you the other night at yeah. girls night and i just had to call you and yeah. see if um you could help me with these things too so knowledge is power. We are super big about that. And just understanding that, uh, what, what would be, uh, something that could potentially be related to your pelvic floor. And to be honest Mm -hmm. with you, it's a ton of things, kind of like we were saying, it's not just the pants peeing. It's not just the postpartum. We don't just see postpartum, um, and perinatal. We see everything women who have had children, women who are in their sixties, Um, And, you know, our 20 years postpartum um, men. So we're really big on that. And that people honestly are kind of coming through to us in so many different realms at this point. Um, But they all are, it's really awesome to kind of see how that has progressed, because when we, when I first started with Courtney, it was a lot of us going out and doing a lot of that education, but now it's kind of starting to be the norm that people are starting to understand and hear about a lot more of the pelvic floor and social media. Let's be real. TikTok, sure. Instagram. Yeah. Um, those things have just heightened the awareness of what the pelvic floor is. Do you have uh social media
0: channels that you're on? Cause we can link those in our show notes. So our listeners can yeah. connect and maybe start to you know, hear more about your business and practice and get comfortable with the topic. Because I think sometimes just like mental health, accessing mental health treatment, a lot of people have to warm up to the idea, even though, you know, they desperately need it. And, you know, so if you have our EAP um, and are listening and you need mental health counseling, you know, that you can call the 800 number and that is, you know, your first area to access uh, your services and benefits through EFR. But I think mental health still carries a lot of stigma in the same way that pelvic floor health does, right. It's the things that we don't want to talk about. It's a lot of times our feelings or our sexual, um, experiences or the incontinence. And I also feel like incontinence isn't just pant peeing, right. I mean, it can be bowel movement incontinence as well. And that's, I mean, that's something none of my girlfriends have ever talked to me about, right. Like, I feel like that carries an even bigger stigma than, you know, pant peeing, but it's still happening. Right. And I would imagine like For men, especially as they get older, like, I just think for many and women, but I'm just thinking that that has to be, you know, a pretty widespread issue as people age and they start to have muscle atrophy, because I would imagine the pelvic floor atrophies just like any other muscle would get smaller, right? Yep.
1: Yep. I think, um, I would say we probably see more constipation than we do fecal incontinence. Okay. Um, and so we help a lot with that as well um, of just with relaxation of the pelvic floor and being able to relax the pelvic floor when you're going to the bathroom. Um, but it has a constipation is multifactorial. Um, it's diet, it's water, it's relaxation, it's digestion. And, um, the vagus nerve, mm-hmm. Haley touched yeah. yeah, so this I'm, is like, your opportunity big. before we wrap up. I'm super up. big about, yeah, I'm very big on the vagus nerve. Um, if you don't know much about it, I would definitely look that up. Um, but it has a lot to do with rest and digest and relaxation and like resetting. Um, it has everything to do with our autonomic nervous system. And so I think people mostly hear fight or flight. The vagus nerve is the opposite of that. And, and if we're not breathing appropriately and stimulating the vagus nerve through breathing and relaxation is really hard for us to have that reset of the body, but then also just like good digestion and making sure that the pelvic floor can relax. The, the fecal matter is getting good motility throughout. Um, and then when it drops into the pelvic floor through the rectum, we're already ready to relax. Okay. Um, and so there's, it, that is very superficial touching on the vagus nerve, but, um, one other thing I wanted to touch on too, so it is kind of hard to, some people feel very insecure about coming in and talking about public floor stuff. We do do a lot of workshops though too in the community. Um, we partner with gyms, we partner with spas or salons. Um, we partner a lot with dietitians and chiropractors oh, as yeah. well and healers and stuff um, to really just educate and sometimes it feels better showing up being anonymous and like yes. nobody knows who you are. But you also don't have to come right out with all your symptoms that you're experiencing, but you can learn about the pelvic floor and how that is influenced and how you can control the pelvic floor. So we do a lot of those kind of seminars as well, totally free to the public. Um, so I guess summer, there's a charge, but um, not usually. Um, but that just sometimes that's a little bit better for people to be in a group and also see that other people are like, yeah, yeah there's
0: there is such a huge benefit from validation and, and knowing that other people experience very similar things, which is why hopefully, you know, as a society and as a culture, we can start to talk more openly about all aspects of health and well-being. Um, and, you know, it's, I even feel like people who, you know, are experiencing a diagnosis like, you know, breast cancer or, I'm you know, breast cancer prevention, like I'm going to get my mammograms or I'm going to have an MRI for my breast health. Um, I feel like people are so much more open about that than like a colonoscopy, you know? But I mean, it's all, you know, we all have- you know for the most part there are some differences between men and women but we share a lot of similar you know anatomy right and so it's just like if we can just talk more openly about it i think that would be so helpful but this was so interesting so quickly tell me how our listeners can connect with you and then i'll drop this information in our show notes so i would like to link to your website and any social media channels you have um and we have a lot of listeners from iowa Um, And so I just wanted to clarify, Haley said in Iowa, you can make a self-referral, but if you're not in Iowa, you might need to check with, um, you know, what your state, I guess, laws would be in terms of accessing physical or occupational therapy. But in the state of Iowa, no, no need for a referral. You can self-refer into a PT or OT practice. Um, And you're
1: located in Urbandale? Clive, technically. We're in Clive. Yep. No, it's okay. Uh, We're like right on the border of Urbandale, West of mine, and Clive. Um, we're in Clive and then we also have a second location in Ankeny. Um, so we're up there in the Metro, but yes, in, if, if someone's in a different state, you can always call into like a, or a a clinic and just say, Hey, do I need a doctor referral? Or you can, I would say call the clinic rather than call your PCP because your clinic, the clinic's going to know if you need a referral. Yes. Um, but yes, so that's another way to, um, we also, I, Love doing educational information. So, like, if someone even just has a like questions, um they can always call our office. Whether you're going to become a patient of ours or not, okay. we just want to make sure that they're getting information. And if we're not the right fit, then we have referrals. We refer right. out to other floor therapists as well. But yes, we are online. Um, it's RevivePTWDSM.com is our website. And then we are on Instagram and Facebook, I'd say more on Instagram. And I believe that handle is RevivePT underscore wellness. So I will double check on that.
0: I will double check and make sure to link to the correct uh, social media channels. And then I'll also link to your website in the show notes. But this was great. Thank you so much for your time. And I really believe that at least one person listening, you know, is going to feel, you know, that they can reach out, you know, whether it's to your practice or, you know, a different practice for help, because I think the more, like you said, we can talk about this and provide education and awareness, the more people will feel comfortable addressing this aspect of their health and all aspects of health are really important. So, um, mental, emotional, physical, and you know, the pelvic floor is definitely, um, connected to all of those. So thank you so much, Haley and Courtney and make it a great day. Thanks for listening to Emotion Well. Please subscribe to us and don't forget to rate us. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Emotion Well is hosted by Johanna Dunlevy and produced by Emily Wancom.